Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast, where we explore the challenging topics that young adults often face. Each week, we talk with guests who help answer questions of faith, life, and culture, connecting them to our daily experiences and God's Word. For more info on In Doubt, visit indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. Hey, welcome to In Doubt. My name is Daniel Markin, and today I have Vin Doan on the show. And Vin is a friend of mine. I've uh, kind of worked alongside him. And so we're talking about all things young adults, talking about uh, many of the issues that young adults are facing as we both are doing young adult ministry here in Canada. So we hope you find this helpful. Hey, welcome to In Doubt. My name is Daniel Markin, and today I'm joined by Vin Doan. Vin, how you doing, my friend? Doing good, brother. It's good to see you. Uh, for many of you, you might have no idea who Vin is, and that too was true for me a few years ago, until I met him when he got hired on at Northview Church. And so, you know, if you've been following on our program for a while, I was at Northview Church for a while, and currently I'm now on staff at Westside Church. Uh, but Vin and I kind of crossed paths just as I was leaving for Westside, and he was just coming to Northview. And uh, here comes this, uh, you know, you can't see it, but he's this this sharp-looking, well-dressed Australian <laughs> guy with an accent, you know, and, and we definitely yeah. played that up quite a bit. You know, we like to pump your tires when you when you arrived here, uh, especially for we the did. Australian accent, yeah. But yeah, but now that now the air's out of the tires, so no one cares anymore. Now, now no one can understand what you're saying, right? So, <laughs> so Vin, it's good to have you on here, man. And what we're going to be talking about today is is largely just like we want to talk about some of the issues that we're facing in ministering to young adults together. So, you know, nothing's off the table at this point, and it'll be a fun conversation. Hopefully, you'll take away something from it. But yeah, it's a tricky time to be a Christian, let alone a young adult. So, uh, Vin, I think we'll start right there. Why don't you tell us a little bit, though? first about you know where you came from and how you arrived in Abbotsford and you know like sort of like your story in ministry like tell us a little bit about who you are yeah hey everyone online and and listening and all that uh yeah look born and raised in Australia by uh Vietnamese immigrant parents who escaped the Vietnam War in the in mid-70s and they landed in Australia and uh, I was that sort of first generation born in Australia and so you know living at home in a different sort of cultural you know, upbringing to the Australian culture, it, it was, it was, yeah, I had a lot of growing up to do and understanding of life and knowledge and wisdom and all that. Anyway, many years went by, you know, things probably didn't go the way that my parents wanted or even for myself. Upbringing for me in Australia was very uh, difficult. I didn't understand what it meant to be Australian, but I also didn't understand what it meant to be Vietnamese, growing up with Vietnamese parents. Long story short, gone into ministry after a very long struggle uh, in my life from drugs to prison to all that. God saved me out of that. You know, God then called me into ministry. I did ministry in Australia for about 12, I would say 12 years, about that, 10 to 12 years. Um, Then it was time I met my wife while doing a preaching sort of series in Toronto and in Edmonton and met my wife who was born and raised Calgarian. Uh, we eventually dated and got married and, you know, as a typical Australian and as a typical guy, I didn't read the fine print of what it meant to be married and then move into a country and living in Calgary. I didn't read the fine print of what it meant to live with snow. That was brutal <laughs> on the on the Australian 
physical body. Like it was so brutal on me. Lived in Calgary for like seven years. So much to learn, especially with the Canadian culture and how to preach into that and for that and to that as well. That was such a difficult uh, journey, but God was so gracious to keep me in it and for the people to respond in a, in a godly and healthy manner. After seven years from church planting to doing, you know, uh, youth ministry, uh, yeah, I got called into Abbotsford to do young adults and something I've never done before. So it's not like I came in as an expert and the weight of that was really hard. Uh, and I'll still say this publicly, if I knew what I was truly coming into and the people that I was replacing, I probably wouldn't have taken the job. I think God gave me some type of adventure and maybe a little bit of ignorance coming into it because I replaced the guy like Andy Steiger. Who's a friend of the show. Right, right. And, yeah, yeah. And you guys, and many listeners, you will know Steiger's the size of his head. And what I mean by that is the size of his brain and, and what he's done for our country and apologetics and all these things, right? And so, and then we had Jeff Buckram, who was a former lead, uh, who's moved to Chicago now. And, and there's all these names uh, that have come sort of before me and, and the weight of that. Um, but don't get me wrong, there's, there's no mistakes in, in God's providence uh, in all this. And I am exactly where I am. And it's been a difficult last two years of me serving at uh, Young Adults, but I thoroughly have enjoyed it and I've had to learn so much. I think more so than in any other time in my ministry, I just have to learn and read and have conversations with people. Yeah, I mean, it's been a difficult two years regardless and especially starting with, I, I think a lot of people aren't realizing the toll that like uh, it's taken on ministry leaders. Like we're seeing what they're calling it, the great resignation. Yeah. And not only like in people's companies as they're pursuing more mobile work, but um, we're seeing that in ministry, the great resignation. We're seeing people burning out, leaving ministry. And at the same time, we're not seeing a lot of people replacing them. Like we're not seeing a lot of, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of young men who are being called to ministry. It's really interesting time. Yeah, I know we face that even here in Northview to uh, beyond that. Every church I know has been hit on some level. Um, you know, I think pastors have held on as much as they can for the last two years. I think the resignation will continue for the next, maybe to the end of the year, potentially. I think pastors have held on tight because a deep love for the sheep. I'll go as far as I can, but I think yeah, pastors will go. But I think a lot of the a lot of the impact has also been on administration staff, like from secretaries to receptionists. Where you know, I think for administrative staff to receptionists, you expect those types of people in the way they're gifted and wired to. There's got to be stability in, in the way things run. You know what I mean? In in the way a spreadsheet is done to a bulletin to you know what I mean? There's stability. There are things that happen day in and day out that they can control. But when COVID hit and the ups and downs and, and protocols and you know what I mean? Like everything that hit them, I think, almost more than anyone else on all churches across the board. So we found that, you know, resignations on that field to production, the weight of ministry on those who were like, look, I just wanted to production, like do audio or do a video. And the weight of that for the sake of the people, because now the ministry rises and falls on the video that you send out. And so I think our production teams, our audio and visual teams have felt the weight of that too. And that's been a big burnout. So it's it's hit a lot of people on many different ways. And you know this, uh, Daniel, you've had pastors who have had to do video and audio, something they were never trained to do or taught to do. And you've had to Google that and YouTube that. And it's 
the weight of responsibility has been so great on so many people. And so it's been, yeah, it's been a heartache to see. Especially for, I think, on young adults too. Um, and maybe we can start going there. Like, yeah, let's talk about isolation and let's talk about that in regards to young adults and the issues there. Yeah, with our young adults, you know, that's if for those of us who are listening to those who, who may be in the older age bracket who can think back, the young adult that 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 time in your life or that time in life, like I'm 44 now, but that time in my life as a young adult from what I can remember was so community driven. It was driven by my friendships. Everything we did, everything we said, everything I was interested in, everything we talked about, you know, was community driven. It was never done in isolation. Whatever my friends did, I did. Whatever sort of pub they went to, I went to. Whatever music, you know, it's literally everything. I was consumed by community. And then for COVID to happen and to have so many of our young adults be sort of driven to isolation, was hard. It was, you know, some, so I'm not saying all, but some would say the government is driving me to be sort of non-human. You're telling me not to be myself and not to be what naturally comes to me or how I naturally thrive as a human because my humanity says I need people and I want to be obedient, especially more so I would say coming in as an Australian and now being in the country for nine years and understanding our sort of political climate, like Canadians are politically quite obedient. And uh, and I've seen, I'm still unsure of where our, especially when you talk to young adults, you're sort of unsure where the line is. Uh, if the government does this, then I'll sort of react and I'll push back. Where they say in the US, our sort of Southern cousins, you know, the line is a bit more defined where I think in Canada, it's a bit more gray. So our young adults have really struggled. Like, this is what I desperately, internally really want. I want to be with people, but I'm so obedient. I'll do it. I, I, I will be in complete isolation. And so we've seen depression go up a lot. Uh, we've seen from drug abuse to alcohol abuse to I've noticed now that we've sort of been able to come back in the last few months for young adults, anxiety has been so high. Our young adults have sort of forgotten to function in public. But not just that, but the anxiety of even walking out in public with no mask. Because, you know, it, it goes back to our Canadian culture. You know, I've had to deal with myself personally, but also deal with um, young adults who like, don't know how to deal with the, the comments that are thrown out in public. So we're not talking about even being in a shopping mall or the supermarket grocery store, anything, anything like that. But that could be out in public going for a walk publicly in the park, walking their dog, whatever it is, and they will hear comments of people shouting out, where's your mask? Or I can't believe people don't wear their masks. So this is very passive, aggressive, I think a very Canadian way to attack a situation or to deal with a situation. So we're not talking to the person who's not wearing the mask. We're talking about the person in general to make sure they can hear it. That causes anxiety. And you don't know how to deal with that. Like most of my young adults don't want to overreact to that. Well, no one wants to cause offense and no one wants to like yeah. hurt someone else. But it's like those conversations, I mean, I just with anything is better if you do it in person, you have a relationship with the person and then you can begin to talk with them. But you're speaking to something about, it's like a lot of drive-by shootings, right? Where it's like, you know, they're insults and then you just like, it's like someone drives up, insults you and drives away. Yeah. Right. And it's like, there's no response. There's no opportunity for that. And it's, uh, you know, it's almost like you're trying to one up each other, even on social media for stuff like that. Oh, absolutely. 
yeah, I just think it's still taking time for our young adults to adjust with the anxiety in the room. And now it's going to a different side in the sense of, you know, I feel for those that sort of want to wear their mask, but majority of the, the people in the room are not. What do, you, what do you do about that? And the anxiety of that cause, or, you know, the self-awareness, right? Like, oh, I'm the only one in a group of 300 people right now, like whatever it may be. And it's trying to be loving and encouraging to them as well. But the anxiety is so tremendous right now. And, you know, and that stems from even back from, if we think about historically from even 2007, you know, if you read stuff from like the coddling of the American mind to, you know, iGen and all these sort of books from a non-Christian perspective about what happened in 2007 when, you know, the iPhone was introduced and the anxiety that already caused on social media because you now you could be critiqued and criticised on what you wore, what you look like, you had big ears or whatever, you know what I mean? Like you look funny and 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 now these comments are being, shots being fired. But now this is happening publicly as well. So, you know, on social media you could escape, you know what I mean? You could turn it off or take a break from social media. But now that, now publicly and then social media-wise, there's no chance to escape. And so I've, I've got deep concerns for our young adults. And so uh, now you are seeing the very strong, you know, those personality uh, traits of certain young adults who are very strong, very opinionated, they're swinging even stronger. No one's going to tell me what to do and what to say, which I think is fair to me. That's just me personally. Like for those who know me, I'm very, I'm a very dominant and very strong personality. So if you push me to one side, I'll, I'll go. I've got to be wary of those who are on the other side where they've been knuckled down and they've been, you know, put to an absolute grind. And so what do we what do we do about those people, you know? And I think that's an intriguing part because I, I wouldn't want to leave them sort of back in the cave, you know what I mean, while I've escaped the cave and now I'm going out and, hey, no one's going to tell me what to do, but they're still my family, my brothers and sisters still in the cave that I've got to take care of. Yeah, there's, a, there's an identity piece there that, I think you're picking up on, right? Because now, okay, emerging from COVID, where do I find my identity? And we, yeah, it's easy to say we're all believers, we're all Christians, and that my identity is in Christ. But then there's other layers to that that bring struggles, like questions around work and jobs and like even gender. I wonder if you could speak to some of those things. Like I, I'm noticing there's a, oh, there's, there's a lot of young adults who just don't know what to think anymore mm, yeah and it's just om- almost like the amount of information being thrown at them it's so overwhelming so many people have just checked out like they've checked out of covid stuff they've checked out of gender identity stuff they like you know they have just checked out and it's almost like they're coasting and uh i wonder if you're seeing the same thing yeah no absolutely i think now i think there's more uncertainty than ever uncertainty because of okay which news outlet do you believe now maybe a year ago it was more of a u.s problem but we're starting to see that in canada now we've seen in the last quite a few months now i would say in the last at least eight months you you start to see our news outlets whatever side you you sort of lean upon but you're starting to see it it is like the u.s where it's this sort of blue and and red sort of aspects of how they approach the news and how it's presented and it's now i'm getting more and more young adults either going on either side or you got the middle of i don't know what to believe anymore i literally don't know what to believe 
because it's sort of vague and it's too strong in its opinion. So some will sort of bury their heads under the sand as well. So you've got these now three parties, I would say, in Canada. You've got the right, you've got the left, and you've got the middle. And so yeah, it goes back to that sense of insecurity and uncertainness, you know, in what to believe, how to believe it. But also you got the other part, Daniel, where how do you speak into something when when the culture has defined everything for you? Well, they think they've articulated everything perfectly for you. And if you go against that, you're going to get shot down publicly and you're going to be cancelled. There's no place to go. There's no place to speak into that anymore. And that's, yeah, that's... To question anything. Oh, absolutely. So where, where are they supposed to go now? Where there's no sort of public place, you know what I mean, to have that healthy dialogue you know, from those that we know who are the most intelligent. And now I'm seeing our young adults go behind people that can speak on behalf of them. And the danger is, is but they'll go behind people now who are non-Christian, but they'll speak on their behalf. So, for instance, in my uh, young adult demographic here in where I serve, the two people that will come out will be Jordan Peterson and Joe Rogan. You know, like Jordan Peterson, you know, maybe vaguely have some, Christian understanding and worldview, but they'll stand behind him. Why? Because they'll say he has that public platform to speak into the public and people will listen and debate and he will be able to articulate and argue my point of view. And Joe Rogan, the same thing. And a lot of our young adults in our church might not agree with everything Joe Rogan says or everything Jordan Peterson says, but enough that they have enough of a big public platform that they can't be cancelled they will sort of go behind those guys and so then my question is why don't we have that christian voice in public you know what i mean and in our country to to speak into those things and to be able to articulate things well and so maybe that's where you know i'm thinking okay maybe that's where i've failed you know my young adults i hope not most of my young adults would say i'm very open and very confrontational and be able to speak uh, truth to what I believe the Bible has clearly said. And I'll, I will not hide behind anything besides the word of God. But that's a scary thing to know that a lot of our young adults now are hiding behind big names like Jordan Peterson and Joe Rogan to speak sort of that truth. Yeah, it's interesting. I have not connected the dots there, but you're right. And maybe it feels like there's more weight to them because they're secular. And it's almost like Christianity and the Christian faith, especially in Canada, has been so like slandered, maligned, and it's just kind of like you're an idiot for believing it. So we're trying to find other people who like are somewhat okay with it, expressing the same worldview, more or less. Like I mean, that's what Jordan Peterson is doing. Without full out saying that he's a Christian, he more or less is espousing the Christian worldview. Yes. And it's almost like he's running there, but not quite getting there. And then Christians be like, ah, but there's another step that Peterson misses. But at least he's saying all this other stuff and he has that audience. Um, and even with Rogan, right? Yeah, like his willingness to say, to speak with anyone. Because he has like some really, really conservative people on his show. But then he has really, really liberal people on his show too. And it's, it's very interesting. Like he's able to, just by being curious, uh, allow for, for people to speak on that. So, man, I mean, yeah, it's so, it's so tricky. And I, I don't know what the solution is to Christian voices because part of that too is like, in Christianity is this uh, this desire to be humble. But then, uh, you know, asking out loud here, are we doing a disservice by not having voices then who are doing just that, pushing people to Christ? Like they can be big voices, 
But then think about this aspect. How many mega church leaders have we seen fail in the last two years, right? Like who have completely failed on a ministry through scandal, through sexual scandal, through money, through anger, through, you know, whatever. Sex, money, power. And we've seen tons of these influential leaders abroad, in America and in Canada, lose their churches because of their conduct behind closed doors. Yeah. And, you know, the sad thing, Daniel, is we we got to anticipate that there will be more to come. You know what I mean? And whether that's a season where God is continually teaching, you know, his 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 bride, hey, you're relying on this person, you know, because it goes back to what you're saying, the, the sense of humbleness and, like, we're, we're looking looking to Christ. And I think there's going to be a time when I think I believe Christ is calling the church more so to repentance because I think we've idolized the celebrity pastor, and that's what we fear when these celebrity pastors fail or walk away or have this moral dilemma or or even if they resign and go to a different church. We fear. There's a sense of deep fear. Why? Because because we've truly idolized them. We think the church was built on that, on that personality, on that characteristic, on that guy's preaching style or whatever it is. And when you take that big piece away, we're like, oh, what are we left with? Then we forget wait, 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 the whole time Christ built the church. So this is going to be a season of repentance. But even going back to what I was saying about, you know, like, yeah, our young olds being unsure, you know, but the, yes, I 100% agree with you. We're called to humbleness and gentleness and self-control and having salt in our tongues when we, you know, when we have an answer for the world about the hope that we have in Christ. And yet, you know, Christ would come in and say, hey, there's, there's other things I want from you too. He wants us to be what? Wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. Christians, we've done such a good job in being innocent as doves. You know what I mean? We, we know how to act holy and do our best to be holy, but especially acting holy in public, that's easy. That's an easy transition. Or we can fake it at least until, you know, until we make it. But we haven't been wise as serpents. And I think what Jesus is saying there, you know, to sort of understand the text is basically saying, that, hey, the way you engage with the world, the non-Christian world, be wise about it. Just like you would be wise about anything else, but we know as you build a house, you've got to think about costs and how you build the materials to when you move to a new city, to get a new job. You, you know, there's wisdom pieces that you need in order to move forward. Well, we need those wisdom pieces as we approach the world and with our voices, with our gentleness and humbleness and all that. And, yeah, I don't know what it is. Maybe, the, yeah, it, it's fear or, we, you know, we just need to sit down and, and continue to be wise about how we approach. But And the funny thing is, is, Daniel, you and I can agree in this 100%. How many young adults have we spoken to who are so wise for their age and can articulate things so beautifully and humbly and gently? Just the platform may be not there, uh, but maybe we think we need to do it on such a big scale that we think it's not enough, but maybe it is a humble approach of doing it one by one, you know, just having a coffee with that one person, that neighbor, and, and let God do the working from that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay, so let's uh, end on like a, a happy note. What, like, what's giving you hope these days then? As you look at young adults, like the resiliency of them, for example, what, what is giving you hope for young adults going forward as you think about Christianity and, and the young adults that we're ministering to? Yeah, I think, you know, I and this is just me speaking on behalf of what I know and what happens here at our church. The greatest thing for our young adults is, first of all, they want community with with Christ, but also with each other. You know, there's a desperate need for the church to come back, you know, and they're okay 
you know, when, when the, maybe when the church was at its height two years ago before COVID, you know what I mean? When, you know, we were doing all these scenes, we had all these, you know what I mean? All these crazy plans of what we could do and how we can, you know, and, and those are great dreams for us to have. And now we've had to reset. A lot of our young adults are still hopeful of the church. And now this is a chance for them to be more honest and more transparent. You know what I mean? That, you know, they've seen leadership be unsure and that's sort of reassured them. Okay, our leaders don't know everything and it's been hard and it's been difficult and they've seen a bit of brokenness. And it's almost a sense of relief in that for our young adults. But I think they want our leaders to continually stand on the truth. And I think that gives me great hope. A lot of our young adults here don't want to shy away in a sense of they want to battle culture. They do. They've realized where culture is taking culture. And they see a, a lot of dead ends. So now they want the church to sort of speak about these issues and speak to these issues, but not through personalities or celebrities. Hey, man, give us the truth. Tell us, you know, even though the Bible doesn't speak about everything, but it does speak to everything, that's what they want. They want that. They desperately want that. And they want our leaders and our pastors to speak with the word. Honestly, and that's that's a great joy to me because knowing because you know the, the hard thing for preachers like you and I, Daniel, is that preachers can stand up there and it can at moments when you prep, but also when you deliver that message, there's moments humanly speaking, you feel alone. Yes, there's a spiritual issue of God being in the midst of all that and doing the work that only the Holy Spirit can do. But when you know your congregation is a hundred percent behind you, humanly speaking, that gives you encouragement. And you feel the weight of all that and people cheering you on saying, yeah, you know what I mean? Daniel, speak on behalf of us into the culture as we fight and we battle it together. So that to me gives me a great sense of joy that I think as a community, they want the word, they want the truth, but they also want each other. But knowing, you know, and above all those things, they know Christ is in the midst of all those things. That's a joy. That could be a great potential, you know, reset or revisioning of the church as we move forward. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think the thing I've learned through this is the need for community is so, so, so big. Vin, I mean, hey, Absolutely. we could keep going for so long, but I appreciate you. I appreciate your <laughs> ministry and, and, you know, us being able to chat over the over the years and uh, even us being able to chat today. And we look forward to being able to do it soon. So thanks for being a part of this. Yeah, thanks, Daniel. Yeah, it was great to be here. So appreciate this time even to listen to me ramble on. <laughs> it's great. And if people have a question for you, how would they get in contact with you? Yeah, you can email me personally at B, the letter V, Don, my last name, D-O-A-N, at northview.org. So email me there and then, yeah, love to continue talking, conversing about any issue. Yeah, awesome, man. Well, thanks again, Vin, and we look forward to talking to you soon. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to hear more, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify, or visit us online at indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. We're also on social media, so make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. In Doubt is a ministry that exists to engage young people with biblical truth and provide answers for many of today's questions of life, faith, and culture. 
through audio programs, articles, and blogs, InDoubt reaches out to encourage, strengthen, and disciple young adults. To check out all the resources of InDoubt, visit InDoubt.ca in Canada or InDoubt.com in the U.S. Or if you're in a position or share a passion for the ministry of young people, you can support the ongoing mission of engaging a new generation with the truth of the Bible. First, you can pray for this ministry. And second, and if you are able, please consider a financial gift by visiting indoubt.ca in Canada or indoubt.com in the U.S. Your gift of any amount is such a blessing and an answer to prayer. Thanks.